Before we get going, give you a little disclaimer, okay? This bothers me. Hold on. Thank you. All right. I'm OCD. I feel like I've got to fix the backpacks and everything. But um, we're, I'm just going to say this disclaimer up front, and then we're going to get rolling, okay? Something I say tonight might probably will offend you in some way, okay? Now, I want you to know this, though. This is not me talking. I'm really letting the Bible talk for us tonight. And so if you get bothered by something, it was the Holy Spirit, God, it, it was not me. All right, so I wanted you to tell you that right now. I'm going to say something that's going to bother you and we're good. We're, but I want you to take that as the Holy Spirit trying to talk to you. Because I was telling Stephanie as I was preparing this, I'm having a hard time, I was having a hard time finding the line between standing on my own soapbox because this platform is not for Clint to share his opinions. This platform is for me to share God's word. And so as I was studying God's word, uh, I realized, man, this is checking me. Like, I'm, I feel like I need to hear this, and I need to understand this. And so if you feel the same way as I'm giving this, it's the Holy Spirit, all right? It's not Clint. In fact, I gave this talk this morning at Wellhouse. They, they have a new pastor, by the way. That's awesome. We're going to give them a hand. That's great. We'll invite that pastor over when he gets here Oh, we will be meeting on Sunday mornings. We can't. That's a bummer. Well, you'll meet them at some point, and uh, we prayed for them this morning. It was great. But I want to talk, the title of this message is You Versus Me and How to Disagree Without Losing It. All right, so uh, I think we all can agree that we are bad at disagreeing. Can we agree on that? Like, people are bad at disagreeing with one another. And specifically, inside of the church, the church, church people are bad at disagreeing with other church people. And it, it breaks my heart, to be honest with you. I don't like that. You're not going to hear us from Platform ever talk bad about another church member, another pastor. I don't care who they are. That's not what we do. Because there's too much of that, and we're not going to get involved in any of that. But uh, how many of y'all remember when social media came out? Come on, y'all remember this? How many of you have a social media profile right now? Don't be ashamed. Okay, only like one or two of us. Three of us probably don't have one. That's amazing. So I, I was a part of the generation, Stephanie and I were, where the internet kind of started coming to your house, right? Like I remember when we got our first computer. Uh, there's actually a really funny story about that that I'll share at another time where <laughs> my mom and dad tricked us essentially unintentionally, but uh, we'll tell you that another time. It's very funny. I want to share it now, but I don't have time. I know. I got I to gotta stick to it. I got a lot to share tonight. But um, I remember when we got our first computer, and I remember when we got the internet at our house. Do y'all remember this? Like, before internet? Okay. Um, some of the older folks are like, of course I remember this, right? But seriously, we, we, I remember when the internet came out, and when someone called our house, it would kick you off the internet. And I remember uh, we had a, who, who had an AIM, come on, your AOL messenger, all right? My screen name was Sin Makes You Stupid, all right? No, no spaces and just the letter U, not the word U, because that wasn't cool. Um, that's how Steph and I's relationship started. I mean, we would talk on there all the time. Uh, and when Byron would make us get off the phone at night, <laughs> I'm joking, we never snuck around anything weird. But uh, anyway, we, we would talk on there, and I remember all that. And then I remember when MySpace came out. Who had a MySpace? Come on. MySpace was amazing. It was so innocent, right? Like, I remember I loved it because it was. It was your space. Like, you could decorate the wall however you wanted. It would make it slow as crap up there. But you could decorate the wall. You could put a song up there, like a super emo song or like a Britney Spears song or something like that. But you had the top eight. Who remembers the top eight? 
essentially, what the, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me explain it. On MySpace, it was your thing, right? And you could display your top eight friends on there and nobody else. So you can imagine this would lead to a lot of drama. Like you, if, if Steph and I got in a fight and she was on my top eight, she gone, right? She's not, I'm replacing her with somebody else on my top eight. And we were friends back in the MySpace days. Uh, so anyway, MySpace was great. And then all of a sudden, like a bunch of my, I was into like bands and hardcore music and stuff. And all of our bands had a MySpace. My band had a MySpace page. And it was awesome. I loved it. And then Facebook came along. Y'all remember when Facebook came out? Come on now. Facebook was awesome. Uh, Facebook, when it first started, I had to really remember this because I'm so used to Facebook now. But uh, Facebook wasn't available to everybody all at once. It was only available to college students at first. And so you're on a college campus, you could have a Facebook. But then it became available to seniors in high school, which we were when this came out. And I remember the old Facebook was, it was awesome. It was, it was like MySpace, but it was better than my. It was a little bit more sophisticated than MySpace. Um, can you imagine Facebook being sophisticated, knowing what you know now, right? So Facebook comes along and it gives you the opportunity to update your status. Y'all remember updating your status? You had to talk in third person. Like it was literally say, Clint is, and then a blank where you could type whatever you wanted. But you had to do it in third person or it didn't make sense. And so I remember like, Clint is sad, because his girlfriend broke up with him or something like that, right? Or like Clint is excited because Eddie George just scored a touchdown, right? Or whatever it was, I, I loved it. And, uh, but eventually it made it to where like they took the third person deal away and you could just type whatever you wanted in there. Like you could just put whatever you were thinking, you could put it out for all of your friends to read and see. How could this possibly go wrong? And so you could, you could talk about Christianity. You could talk about your marriage on there. You could talk about politics, right? You could talk about raising your kids, your favorite sports teams, your favorite recipe. You could talk about any of it. But then Facebook was sneaky, and they added the comment feature on here, on your status. So here you are displaying all of your thoughts into the world about politics or about marriage or about whatever you want, right? And all of a sudden, one of your friends that you haven't spoken to since high school will sh would show up on there and be like, well, actually, here's what I think about what you just said. Ba -ba 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 -ba. And they start giving their opinion. And then you're like, well, I don't agree with that. Well, let's have a discussion about this on the internet where everyone can see it. So now I'm going to disagree with you. And, ba -ba -ba -ba. and now I've, I've started this conversation. Before you know it, is getting heated in the comment section. Has anyone ever seen this happen before on Facebook, right? And you're seeing all this play out and all of a sudden something that was supposed to be friendly has now turned into a you versus me. My opinion, what I think is right versus what you, your opinion and what you think is right. And so we've turned this social media world and our YouTube comments world where we can hide behind a keyboard and we can battle out and it's you versus me. It's mano y mano, right? Like it's, uh, we're gonna fight about this and we're gonna battle about this. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about this mentality. It has a lot to say about disagreeing. And so as I was looking at things in the world right now, which you don't have to look very far, we can all agree that people disagree very poorly, right? You can look on a Facebook post. 
my God, if someone posts something that's different than you, how hard is it just to not say anything, right? Like, it's as hard. You have to, I have to tell them what I think, and you got to say it, right? Like, it's something that we all deal with. But God has called us to live something larger, something bigger than you versus me. And we're going to talk about that. And actually, the people in the Bible were not much different than you and I. In fact, uh, in the book of Romans, we're going to study a chapter in the book of Romans tonight. This is going to be a little bit, uh, the beginning of this is going to be a little bit academic. Hang with me, because I promise it's going to get real practical. And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to talk about it all tonight. We're going to talk about politics a little bit. We're going to talk about vaccines a little bit. We're going to talk about everything tonight. All right, so, but you got to get through this academic stuff real quick. Okay, so Paul. Paul, he's like the most famous Christian of all time. He writes half the New Testament. He's the man, and he writes this book of Romans. And if you're a Christian today and you read Romans, Romans is like your theology manifesto. It talks about sin. It talks about how you get saved. It talks about how God or Jesus sanctifies you. It talks about everything. It's like our theology book in the Bible. Like it's chock full of, of how God loves us and how we are messed up, but how God came and he made everything right so that we can know him. That's where it's found in Romans. But see, Paul was writing to two different groups of people in, uh, in Roman, and sorry, not Roman, in Rome. So he was writing this letter to people that lived in Rome. They're called Romans. That's why it's called the book of Romans. And he was writing two different groups of people. He was writing to the Jews. Y'all say Jews. All right. Not juice, Jews, right? The group of people, it's a race. They're God's chosen people. He was reading, uh, writing to Jews and he was writing to Gentiles. Y'all say Gentiles. All right, so here's some things you got to know about Jews. Jews have been God's chosen people for like thousands of years, or probably not thousands, but a really long time, okay? And, uh, and they were God's chosen people, and God had them live by a certain set of rules that in the book of Romans, it calls the law, all right? So they, they lived, these Jews lived by the law, and they did that for two reasons. The first reason is that it, it, God had them live by the law so that they, the Jews, could know that they couldn't live life without God. Like they really needed God's help if they were really going to fulfill all the rules and keep all the rules. They couldn't do it by themselves. So God wanted them to know, like, hey, you need me, right? And then for the second reason, he had them live by this law, by these set of rules, so that uh, they, what, what is it, Sorry. So that uh, it showed the rest of the world why they were different. They were God's chosen people. And so they needed to look different than everyone else in the world. And so God gave them these laws. He gave them these rules. And they, they seemed weird. Like they couldn't eat pork. Uh, they had to observe one day where they did no work whatsoever. Like that was called the Sabbath day. And they could not work on the Sabbath. The rest of the entire world is working on the Sabbath. The Jews aren't working on the Sabbath. They had different rules about marriage and different rules about morality and different rules about how they would deal with people that would have affairs and they would do all the, it was very different than the rest of the world. But God did that so that they would be set apart from the rest of the world, so they would look different. And so Paul is writing this letter to Romans, he's writing to the Jews because when they decided to become Christ followers, the Bible talks about how Jesus fulfilled the law. He actually made it to where they didn't need to keep all the rules anymore. Jesus fulfilled all that. They had a new way of living. And it wasn't about the rules anymore. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But the hard part is in the early church is that they still were hanging on to these traditions. They were hanging on to this way of life. And it became a problem. Well, then you had the other side of the spectrum, the Gentiles. Y'all say Gentiles one more time. <clears throat> now, a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. 
So if you're not Jewish in this room, you are a Gentile, congratulations, all right? So everyone else is a Gentile. And so Gentiles, they were on the other end of the spectrum. If the Jews were super conservative, the Gentiles were crazy. Like they were like barbaric. They like would eat with their hands and the Jews would eat with like utensils, you know? They, would, they were just kind of crazy. They were very rough around the edges. Imagine if like the worst person that you know got saved and it took them a while to like quit cussing and quit saying stuff. Like those are like the Gentiles to the Jews. Like these are weirdos, man. Like they don't even do the stuff that we've been doing, you know? Like they were just very different. And, and so these two groups of people that were very different were coming together under one, like under, uh, under one church in, in, the, in the city of Rome. And it was really weird. And like the Jews believe certain things, the Gentiles believe certain things. And so Paul writes this letter to the Romans saying, all right, I'm gonna clear all this up Here is the Christian theology. Boom, 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 boom. And he starts laying out all this theology, all this stuff about what sin does to you and how God saves you from your sin through Jesus and how he sanctifies you and all that stuff. He was setting the record straight so that the Jews and the Gentiles could be together in one church. And so he spends the majority of the book talking about theology because that's really important. And then the the last little bit of the book of Romans is all like in chapter 12, it takes a turn. And that's when Paul starts getting really practical. He starts, he starts saying, all right, now you know all the theology. Now let's look at how that applies to where you are right now. It's just like I write my sermons. We do uh, so a lot of verses. I talk to you about the point and the theology of the story. Then most of the time at the end of the message, I give you some practical helps. Like, hey, do these things. It's gonna help you live this out. That's what Paul, I got that from Paul. Paul did not get that from me, all right? So <clears throat> it happens, and, and, in, and in chapter 14, um, he starts talking about a very specific thing that the Jews and the Gentiles are actually arguing about, okay? So they're arguing about food and the Sabbath day. Like literally, that, that sounds so ridiculous to say that out loud, but they were like bickering and arguing. They couldn't find any common ground. It was a very much, if you were a Jew, it was you versus me, Jew and Gentile. Like, we're, like you're eating meat that I don't approve of and you're not observing the right Sabbath and I'm doing the right thing, you know? And, and it was the other way around. Like Gentiles were like, but, but Jesus came to save us all. He did away with all these rules. Why are you even doing that? And it was a you versus me. And the thing they were arguing about was what kind of meat they were eating and if they observed the Sabbath on the right day or not. It sounds so ridiculous to say this, but that's exactly kind of where we find ourselves right now. Man, we're supposed to be this big, happy family, this church. And I'm not talking about Oasis Church, but like the overall, the big C church is what we call it, the global church. And here we are arguing about things that don't really matter. Right, like, like we're arguing about things that I think God would look at us and go, why are we arguing about that? Like, is that really that big of a deal that it's worth an argument on Facebook? Is that really that big of a deal that you just can't get past this to be friends anymore? Like, unity is a big deal to God. And here we are, we, we found our way to the same place that the people in Rome uh, were in whenever Paul wrote this letter. And I just wanna tell you today, When someone disagrees with you, don't take the bait. 
Okay? Now listen, don't take the bait. It's not worth it. All right? And I'm going to prove it to you, and I'm going to show you what the Bible actually says about disagreeing with people. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 14. This is going to look a little different than I typically preach. We've got a lot of slides to work through, but are y'all ready to rock and roll? Y'all ready? Put your seatbelts on. Here we go. Verse 1. It says, what's it say? Except, all right, can the people in the back read that? Don't need to make it bigger. All right, except other believers. That's a pretty bold statement right off the top. Except other believers, and it doesn't say except like E-X-C-E-P-T. No, it's like except, receive them. Bring them into the flock. Like receive them into your home, right? Who are weak in faith. They might not be like you. They might not be further along down the road than you are. But accept them who are weak in the faith. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Oh, this is getting so practical. I love this. All right, so he gives us two commands right at the very beginning. He says, accept and avoid arguing. We're bad at both of those things. If I'm just being honest, we're all not great at both of those things. It's hard for us to accept people that are not like us. And it's really easy to argue with people that are not like us, that don't think like us that don't maybe believe the same things we believe. But Paul is looking, and I'm not talking about, by the way, let me just say this, I'm not talking about non-Christians. If you're in here and you're not a Christian, this is not about you. This is about Christian to Christian, church member to church member, a person of faith to a person of faith. This is what I'm talking about. This is a really big deal to God. He says, accept each other. Quit pushing each other away. Uh, uh, One way that this word is translated in the original text is to receive to take in. Another way is to help lead, to help guide, to say, hey, I'm going to accept you in. I'm not going to argue with you. Let me show you how I came to this conclusion. And let's like talk about it. Let me, let me lead you to why I think the way that I think. But we're also to not argue. We spend so much energy. It's amazing if you think about it. Arguing about things that don't matter. And I'm the worst. I will argue with this backpack. I promise I will. And I like to get in arguments, everyone. I like dropping a bomb and like leaving the room, you know? I, I don't mind it because I think it's kind of fun, if I'm just being honest with you, all right? About stuff that doesn't matter. I'll argue with you about how UT is awful or how UT is great. I just like stirring the pot and like just getting into a little fight every once in a while. But it's all innocent stuff. But a lot of us are spending like actual energy and we're getting real serious about stuff that God never wanted you to really be serious about and to get into arguments about with people. He's saying, hey, they think differently than you. They might, you, if you agree with how they think something is right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Accept them and don't argue about it, right? And let me just clear the air, okay? Let me just say this. The reason why this is important is because when people join God's family, they need to be accepted as they are. They don't need a bunch of people going, ooh, I don't think, they don't believe like I do. Why are they here? Like, I did, did you see what he posted on Facebook and he's here right now? Yes. God designed the church to be this way so that more people could be added into the church that are different than you. Let him take care of changing people's lives and their hearts and their opinions. That's not on you. And so it needs to be this way so that the family of God can expand and it can get bigger. But we're so busy that when someone's not like us, it becomes a you versus me. Like, oh, I can't, I can't associate with that person because they're not like me. They're wrong. Like their view on things is wrong. But they're not like me. God's like, no, 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 no. 
Let's find some common ground. It's not you versus me. You know what? You can disagree with them on something and still be their friend. Find some common ground that you have with them. So Paul keeps going. He keeps talking in verses, I think, two through 10. Uh, Yeah, two through nine. And he starts talking about some specifics that have to do with the type of meat they were eating. He was kind of getting into the weeds and the Sabbath day. I'm not gonna get into all that because it doesn't apply to what we're talking about right now. But he wraps all that part up and he starts saying this. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? Now condemn, we're gonna come back to that word in a second. Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of, you, each of us will give a personal, y'all say personal, personal account to God. You're all gonna give a personal account to God. And at the beginning, he says, why do you condemn another believer? Now I know you're thinking like, Condemn is a strong word. Like, I don't think I've ever condemned anybody, right? Like, condemning means, like, there's no hope for them to change. They're just completely out of touch, out of God's grace. Like, they are condemned. They can never do good ever again. That's actually not what the word means. It means that when you condemn a house, like, hey, you just got to tear this puppy down and start over. That's not what condemn means in this passage. Condemn in the passage means this. To express... Complete disapproval of. So, has anyone in here ever expressed their complete disapproval to something? Come on, be honest, me. I have. You have condemned that thing. Okay, let me just, according to the Bible, you have condemned that thing. It's not as harsh as you want it to be because you want to think that you're not one of these people, but we all are. We all condemn things, right? And so I've put together a list of things that we condemn, all right? Or a list of people that might condemn certain things. And I just want to say, my mother-in-law is in this room. I love you. You're awesome mother-in-law. You're great. This does not apply to you. It does not apply to my mother either. Okay. So here we go. But mothers-in-law, they're great at condemning, right? Like how many of you have ever had a, a situation or you've seen something on TV or someone that you know where the mother-in-law didn't agree with how the daughter-in-law or the son-in-law was doing something and they let you know about it in a very passive aggressive way. Has anyone ever had that happen before? Right? Okay, they were condemning you, okay? So I don't think she's raising those kids right. Like I can't, I would never give my kids a screen at dinner time. That We didn't have that back then. That's not how we did things. That's expressing your complete disapproval of, right? So if you are a mother-in-law in here, this does not apply to Lynn or my mom at all, okay? But seriously, that might be why you don't get, you know, like you have a bad relationship with somebody. It might be why you don't get invited to family things sometimes, right? They don't wanna be condemned all the time. You know what I'm saying? Is this preaching to anybody? I'm joking. All right, next, Airlines. How many people have just fired off on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram about American Airlines canceling their flight? Come on, somebody do something about this. I can't believe I had to be somewhere. You made me miss my kid's birthday party, blah, 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 and you just fire off. You have condemned American Airlines, everybody, all right? You have done it. And if you've done that to Spirit Airlines, I just wanna tell you, that's on you, all right? Don't fly Spirit and you don't have to worry about it, okay? Next one, here we go. Newlyweds. Any newlyweds in the house, by the way? If you're five years or you're younger, you're a newlywed, just to let you know. Okay, some, some newlyweds, great. Okay, a moment of transparency, tree of trust here, okay? I'm just gonna share my life with you. 
Stephanie and I, we like to say our first year was our worst year because it was. We've been best friends since the eighth grade and we know how to go for the jugular when we're fighting. And so we would condemn each other all the time about stuff. For me, I'll just fess up to what I was really bad at. I leave socks or left, I'm way better at this now. I used to leave socks everywhere, all right? Like you would open up the silverware drawer and find a sock, you know, and it would just be, there'd be everywhere. And I would hear about it a lot. And then I would be like, well, you didn't do this. And then we just start going at it. We would condemn each other. Learn, work on this, newlyweds. All right, next, Alabama fans. How many people have ever condemned an Alabama fan? Woo! Great, I'm gonna move on. Here we go. People who watch those shows, right? I cannot believe that he works at a church and he watches Game of Thrones. Can you believe that? Like, you you start condemning people because they don't watch what you watch. They're not watching The Chosen. They're watching Breaking Bad or they're watching something else, you know? And you you have to say something about it. It might not be to their face, but it'll be to your spouse sitting next to you while you're going through Facebook. I cannot believe that they're just watching that show. That show is just from the devil. I believe it, right? Everyone's done this. I can't believe they went to that concert. I mean, he talks about drinking in his songs, right? Like we all do this. All right, what's next? I don't know what's next and I'm nervous. Oh, here we go. Converse. I don't know if y'all heard about this. I've learned, I, I can't keep up with all the things that Christians are supposed to hate now, but apparently Converse is on the list because they worship Satan now. I don't know. I just found out about this week and I was like, oh, Now apparently I have to throw away all my converse, but we will like, we condemn people when they don't line up with how we believe. And let me just say this as an aside. If the world doesn't believe like you do, they're the world. They're not gonna have the same standards you have. But guess what? We're gonna love them. We're gonna speak truth in love and we're gonna accept them into God's family one day. So getting mad at people that aren't Christians for not being Christians is insane. Okay, next People stance on soul stances. I probably should have put stances. People stances on social issues. Ooh, it's getting a little quiet now. Here we go. All of us. I cannot believe that he, does he not know what the Bible says about life? Does he not know what the Bible says about marriage? I mean, I cannot believe that he thinks that. How could he say that he's a Christ follower and believe those things? Huh. We do this a lot more than we think, right? Let's keep going here. Masks. I can't believe that person doesn't just put a mask on. If they would just put a mask on, we would all be out of this mess, and it's so inconsiderate for them not to put a mask on. Or how do they not have faith in God, right? Like, how can they, how can they put that thing over there? That thing's not even doing anything, right? The droplets are still getting through, and we're all medical experts now, right? But we condemn people that don't think like we think, let's keep going. How about vaccines? That's a hot thing right now. I'm not getting that thing put in me. I don't wanna be microchipped or, man, I, I wanna trust that God's got my immune system and do all this. Well, how could you not get the vaccine? Why wouldn't you do that, right? Like, aren't we all in this together? Isn't that the kind thing to do? And all of a sudden, we've turned something into a you versus me. And this seems like a really big deal right now because you know what? Coronavirus is a big deal and I get all that. But we spend a lot of time bickering and we ruin friendships and we have sown uh, disunity into the church because of these things. Or how about this one? Politics, my goodness. Thank God it's not an election year. You know what I'm saying? Like, but when this is going on, how many articles have you seen posted and then it just in the comments, it is just like a firing squad on somebody. When someone doesn't see something the same way you do, your first response is just to argue, prove your point. 
Here's my opinion. Here's how I see things. That's not what it's about. But we've taken issues that I think God looks at and goes, this isn't a hill to die on. And there's so many of us bleeding and dying on these hills that we were never meant to die on. We're condemning people. We're, we're writing them off. We're openly expressing things that we don't agree with and we're disagreeing poorly. But there's a better way. There's a, and let me just tell you this right now. I'm gonna take a load off of your shoulders, all right? I, I think you're gonna feel amazing after I say these words. I'm just gonna give you some permission tonight. You don't have to condemn anyone any longer. You don't have to say that thing that you really wanna say. You don't have to shame someone that believes in a slightly different than you do. You don't have to do it anymore. You can take that responsibility off your plate. Doesn't everyone feel better already? You don't have to share it all. You know what? You can see something on Facebook and not post about it. Did you know that? Like you don't have to disagree with everything. Because here's what the Bible says. Yes, each of us will give a, what's this word? Personal account to God. That means this. You don't have to get an account, give an account for that person you disagree with. If that person chooses to not get the vaccine, that might be really important to you. But you're not gonna stand in front of God one day and go, man, I should have gotten that vaccine for him. No, because you're gonna give a personal account for what you did. You don't have to give an account for that person that thinks politically different than you. You don't have to give an account for that person that seems to disagree with everything, that has that super argumentative spirit that you don't even like being around anyway, but you're still somehow friends with them. You don't have to give an account for their life. You don't. You have to give an account for your life, your decisions, the things that you do. You don't have to worry about what they do. And let me just, to give you some super spiritual advice, mind your own business. I'm serious. Who cares? Who cares what they think about certain things? Honestly. And if you're sitting there thinking, but Clint, it's, it's a really big deal. No, it's not. And we're gonna dive into why it's not a big deal in a second as well. But mind your own business because you're not answering for their business. You're answering for your business. So mind your own business and stay out of their business and let them stay out of your business because that's what God wants us to do. Y'all ready to keep going? Here we go. So it says this, and I think this is verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. It's not a matter of that thing that we think is such a big deal. But of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. Which isn't that the best thing that we could possibly do is to please God, right? And others... And even others that don't agree with you will approve of you. And, and this isn't a, a message about how to be liked by everybody. That's not the thing. But if your life is marked by goodness and peace and joy, guess what? You're gonna be a great person to be around. And people, you'll then have influence. And you can actually reach them for the gospel instead of reaching them for your opinions, right? Oops, I'm getting ahead of myself. But notice that it doesn't say this. It doesn't say, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of being a Republican. It's not a matter of what you eat or drink. It's not a matter of being a Republican. It's not a matter of being a Democrat. It's not a matter of vaccines. It's not a matter of, we're gonna go to the next one, masks. It's not a matter of 
Your opinions. It's not a matter of, oh, I've done something here. Here we go. It's not a matter of, come on. You know what? Forget this thing. Traditions. It's not a matter of denomination. It's not a matter of being right all the time. The kingdom of God is not a matter of those things. The Bible says the kingdom of God is a matter of living a life of goodness, of joy, of peace. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's not about dying on these hills. That's not the way God designed things. It's not a matter of those things, but we make it a matter of those things. You see, whenever, um, if you know me, you know that I love playing board games I love playing card games. How many of y'all have ever played a board game or card game with me? All right? There's a reason why not everyone is raising their hand. And that is because I'm super competitive when I play these things, okay? I will say things to you that I don't mean. All right, I'm just gonna let you know right now, I'm very competitive. I'm going to say things. I'm gonna call you things that I shouldn't say. I'm a pastor, I know. But I'm just letting you know, I'm not good at this, and that's why only some trusted few come to my house and we play games together, all right? So, and the people that have are laughing. I'm telling you right now, because I love it. But, and I'll just let you know this. I'm not a rule follower. In my life, in normal, I don't, like if a door says do not open, I'm opening the door, okay? I just wanna tell you because I'm curious and I just have to know, all right? And so I don't, I'm not a super big rule follower. This, Stephanie is a rule follower. I'm not, and this causes some, you know, fun sucking sometimes out of my soul. I'm like, please, let's just do it. We can't do it, you know? And so, but when I play games, when I play board games and when I play like card games, I am a rule stickler. Why? Because if I know the rules of the game, I can use them against you and I can win, right? Like if I know the rules, I can use them to my advantage. And so if you come to my house, that's why I don't go to your house. You come to my house, we play them by the rule book because that's what I know. That's what I'm gonna use to destroy you. Okay, that's just what I'm, I'm telling you right now. And the reason I don't go to your house is because when I go to your house to play games, we start playing this game and all of a sudden I learn of your house rules. Has anyone ever have house rules in some of their games, right? And I'm like, we're not even playing the same game anymore. Like, what is this house rule that you can do this and that doesn't even make any sense, right? Like, that's not the rule. That's your house rule. We're playing a made-up game now. Like, this isn't, this isn't nerds anymore. This is some weird game that you made up with your family because you couldn't handle it, right? That's, how, that's what I think. And so I get, I get worked up. I'm just going to tell you right now. I don't play by that. And, and if you win playing by house rules, there's an asterisk next to your, the W in your win column. I just want to let you know right now, right? Why? Because that's not how the game was meant to be played. I like playing by the real rules. Some of us are living in the kingdom of God and you're playing by your house rules and you're not playing by the rules of God's kingdom. You've made up this, uh, your own set of rules that only apply to you because it's convenient and it's easy. But God is calling us to something better, to something different. He says, no, we're gonna get rid of these house rules. You need to play by my rules. And when you play by my rules, my kingdom advances and things go a lot better. Because the kingdom of God is not about your opinions. The kingdom of God is not about what you think. The kingdom of God is about three things, living a life of goodness, a life of peace, and a life of joy. That's the rules in God's kingdom. And that's what we need to be about. If we wanna be a part of God's kingdom, we can disagree with people. We don't have to believe everything they believe. But we do have to live a life of goodness, of peace, and of joy. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. What does it mean to, to live a life of goodness? Another word for that is actually righteousness. 
So living a life of righteousness, what does righteousness mean? Righteousness does not mean being right. Y'all need to hear me. Righteousness is not about being right. It's about being made right by Jesus. It's not about being right. A lot of us confuse this. It's about being made right. In fact, you were so wrong that it took Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead to make you right. And it's about being made right. And so when we live in a way that we have been made right by Jesus and Jesus alone and not about our things that we think and all this, that's when we can live a true life of goodness because it's a life of humility. Going, actually, I don't know it all. In fact, I was so bad that Jesus had to come save me. And all of us are in that boat. We all have something to learn. We all have something. When we live a life of goodness, we're really choosing to live a life of humility because we recognize that I've only been made good, I've only been made right because of Jesus. But that doesn't make me right in everything that I think. We have to live a life of goodness. Peace is the second thing. We have to live a life of peace. What does peace mean? Peace is a person that is marked uh, by peace, living with peace. Sorry, give me a second. I'm saying peace too many times. All right. Peace is living at peace with other people in God's kingdom. And so if you're constantly arguing and disagreeing poorly with other people in God's kingdom, you are not living in peace. In fact, peace in this context means free from battle, free from war, and it's peace. We're not fighting. Like we're we're living in peace. We're not fighting. We're, We're living in peace. In fact, God has called us to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. We're peacemakers. That means, man, we're gonna, if we have wronged somebody, we're gonna go up and be a man or woman about it and say, hey, I was wrong. Man, I am so sorry for the way I responded to you on this post. Would you please forgive me? That's a peacemaker. And you know what? That's a pretty awesome way to live. It's a heck of a lot better than just arguing about everything all the time. And the last thing is joy. Living a life that's marked by joy. We've lost the art of joy. I love the Charlie and Pager down here. Every day on their Instagram, one of y'all is posting, joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. And you know what? Let me tell you, joy is a choice. You aren't joyful. You choose to be joyful. And joy is deciding that I'm not going to let others or my circumstances dictate how I see the world or how I feel. I'm choosing something better. I'm choosing to be joyful. So I could have the worst two months of my life. I could have the worst year of my life. And all my circumstances to say that I should be unhappy and miserable, but I'm not choosing to let that affect the way that I see God and I see the world. I'm gonna have joy. I'm still gonna have joy. Even though I might not even be happy, I'm still gonna choose to have joy. And that's the way God calls us to live in his kingdom. Joe, you can come up. You know, I I want this church, I want the people of this church, and I can't make you do this, to be marked by those things. I I, I don't want you, and it's not even for me, so that I can be happy with how you live your life. I'm gonna mind my own business, okay? But for you, live a life that's marked by goodness, joy, and peace, and watch how your relationships change. Because I've seen disagreement destroy too many relationships, the fact that, that you could say whatever you want and be argumentative and have a spirit that is just, uh, it, it, it completely destroys unity. That's not what God called you to do because the kingdom of God is not a matter of that. 
And sure, there are big issues that the church stands up for. And I'm not here to say that that's not the case. That is the case. But I think too many of us are known for what we're against and not known for what we're for. I want to be known for someone that's for goodness and peace and joy. And if you were here a few weeks ago, you heard us talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And some of these are going to sound pretty familiar. The fruit of the Spirit, which is what our lives should be marked by for Christians, the fruit is love, joy, sound familiar? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we're known for. We're not known for being a Republican. We're not known for being a Democrat. We're not known for being a vaccinated person or an anti-vaccinated person or a person with a mask, a person without a mask, or a person that's a UT fan or a person that's out. It's not, it's not what we're known for. We're known for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And so he ends this whole thing, starting in verse 20. And I wish the TV wasn't broken. It says this. It says, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Don't tear apart the work of God. Don't bring the kingdom of God down because you're focused on things that don't matter. Fill in the blank with whatever you want. Don't tear apart the work of God because of fill in the blank. That's not what we do. That's not what we're about as Christians. That's not what we're about at Oasis either. Man, we're for unity. You know why? Because the Bible says that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And I want this church to be blessed. I'm not even talking financially, but man, I want God's blessing to be on our side. And we're gonna do that if we're unified together. Because there's too much at stake outside of these walls for something small to tear down the work of God. And the work of God is fragile. Let me tell you, if, if he can't use us because of disunity and because of the way we live our lives, he will use someone else. It's fragile to us. There's 93,000 people outside of these walls. They don't go to church anywhere. They're getting divorced. They're walking through divorces together. They're walking through painful seasons. They're walking through their children that have walked away from God. They don't know what to do. They don't know where their next meal is gonna come from. They, they live on the streets, some of them out here, and they need us. And, and our opinions are gonna tear down the work of God if we're not careful. And I'm serious, we have to be a church that's about the right things. And, and, and here's how it plays out a lot of times in churches is I don't, the music's too loud. Well, you, you make a big deal out of a preference. Guess what? Next week, the music might, we might even have it. I don't even know. Our methods of reaching people are constantly gonna change. We might come up here and do a bluegrass Sunday one day. I don't know. But you know what? Like, I, I, I don't want our preferences to get in the way of what God is trying to do. And so, you know what? There's some things our church does that we don't even like, and we're trying to change. So I get it, but don't let, don't tear down the work of God because of your preference. Don't tear down the work of God because of, of your opinion on something or, or you think you're being right about something. Don't do that. Because what God is trying to do is a big, huge deal. And he wants you to be a part of it. He wants Oasis Church to be a part of it. 
And so we need to be willing to take a back seat to the, thing, the way that we think sometimes and worry about the stuff that matters. And the stuff that matters is living a life of goodness, of joy, and of peace. And that's what we are gonna be about because we wanna see God's kingdom advance here in Sumner County. I can tell you that right now. So please help us. And you know what? Take a vow this week. Just do it for this week. Don't argue with anybody on Facebook. There's your practical step this week. Don't get involved. Stay off of Facebook. If, you, if, it's, if it means you gotta delete the app, delete the app. It's worth it. Because there's God's doing too much for us to tear it down by something like that. Something that in 15 years, Facebook might not even be around anymore. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, you might even be in here and you hear me talking about this and you're like, you know what? I'm not a Christian because I see how Christians act. And I just wanna tell you, I'm so sorry, okay? We're trying to do better. But maybe I've been talking about the kingdom of God, but maybe your next step is to join the family of God. Maybe you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life and join the family of God. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that tonight because I, I'm, I won't let a week go by without sharing the gospel and giving you a, response, a time to respond. And so here's what you can do. If you wanna step into God's family, I want you to pray this prayer after me in your heart. And here's what, here's what this, this prayer is not magical. This doesn't have magical words in it, nothing like that. But it is a way to articulate what God's doing in your life right now and how you can tell him you want him to invite him into your life. So if that's you, you can say these words. Say, dear God, I need you. I wanna be a part of your family. God, come into my life and help me do better at living my life. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, y'all give a hand to the people that made that decision.